Welcome everybody from all around the world. Welcome to this podcast, escaping the entanglements of our lives. You got yours, and I've got mine. I'm your host, I'm Dolphus Q. I'm the originator and the creator of this podcast. (laughs) Now, our lives, yours and mine, are easily entangled with things, real and imaginary, and it does not matter if they are either. Our lives are entangled and affected by these entanglements. <laughs> but I maintain that it is possible to escape the entanglements of our lives and to live relatively <laughs> relatively happy and free and this podcast is one of my ways of dealing with one of the major entanglements of my life and I'm feeling well <laughs> I'm feeling extremely well Now, what am I doing? I am reading and writing my book before your very ears. Satisfying that urge to be a writer. But overall, I'm just having fun with this project. But now... Like the walrus said, the time has come. (laughs) Yes, people all around the world, the time has come for the reading of the word. Episode 8, Chapter 8, Led to the Light. By the Midnight Rider. I stood last in a long line of men who signed their name on a dotted line. Then to verify that name, extended an ID card which was examined by a clerk who stood behind the counter. I signed my name on a dotted line. The clerk asked me for verification, any sort of ID. I shook my head. I don't have any. No driver's license or social security card? Anything with your name on it? I shook my head again and told the truth. A hard luck story. Well, I'm sorry to hear your sad story, said the clerk. But without some type of identification, the law defines you as a vagrant. And vagrancy is considered a crime in this city. Our policy walks a thin line. 
vagrants are welcome to shower, welcome to eat, but are not allowed to sleep on our premises. I lowered my eyes. I had slept on the street many nights. I knew the challenges I faced. I saw a rough night in Jericho ahead. I lifted my eyes to those of the clerk. Well, are there any Christian missions nearby where I could possibly sleep tonight? The clerk lifted his eyes upward. He gritted his teeth and shook his head. Nah, that one is too far out. Then he snapped his finger and stared at me. Say, where were you born? When I told him, he smiled and said I was in luck. He told me I could probably get a copy of my birth certificate from Vital Statistics, which was in downtown Jacksonville. He assured me with that certificate I could get an ID card. He was a witness. He had done the exact thing. I asked for the name of the building. The clerk wrote it on a piece of paper and handed it to me. After I thanked him and turned to leave, he stopped me. Wait, look, I'm going to step over the line for you and go against the policy this time. Since you're going to go over to Vital Statistics in the morning and get a copy of your birth certificate and resolve this issue, I don't see why I can't let you have a cart for the night. Simultaneously, an overhead bright light flashed on, and a gruff voice shouted out, All right, gentlemen, rise and shine. All right, gentlemen, rise and shine. The voice belonged to a member of the staff. He repeated himself as he walked through the dorm with three long rows of carts. He shook the carts of those men who had not rose and shone. All right, gentlemen, rise and shine. This ain't the Holiday Inn. I went into the bath area and waited to use uh, the sink. I was ready for breakfast, or at least a cup of coffee. Neither was served until after a morning service in the chapel and a failure to attend meant you received neither. I listened to a semi-sermon delivered by an aspiring young minister who preached he had once been a homeless alcoholic drug addict before he had repented and accepted Christianity. His acceptance had changed his life. He knew the trials and tribulations of each man seated in the chapel. He knew what life was like for those who were homeless but he also knew the knowledge of Christianity had saved him, and he knew this knowledge could save us too. A haggard man who looked hungover from too much alcohol last night, and obviously one who had woke up on the wrong side of the cot, suddenly stood up and shouted out, Oh, shut your trap. You don't know the haggard, hungover man was hauled from the chapel by three staff members as he hollered 
out how unchristian it was to deny the hungry something to eat. The young minister waited in the pulpit until the offender had been completely removed from the premises. Looks were exchanged, but not a word was uttered until one of the staff members peeped his head into the chapel and nodded towards the pulpit where the expiring minister stood. He lifted his chin and raised a finger. His eyes swept those seated before him like a broom. This is God's house. It shall be respected. Neither the devil nor any advocates will be tolerated in this house. I'm a witness. My words are the truth. You can change your life if you learn to do what Jesus did. Stand up to Satan. Tell Satan to flee. And just as Satan fled from Jesus with his tail between his legs, that low-down dog will flee from you too. But it takes guts to stand up like Jesus did. There's only one way to get those guts. Accept Christianity. How many of you men are gutless this morning? How many of you need some guts? Every man raised his hand without hesitation like he was afraid not to. When I left the breakfast table, I knew three things. I knew how to get back to the park. I knew where to catch the school bus that would take me to the church for the free lunch. And I knew the address of the Bureau of Valuable Statistics. I followed the directions I had received. I walked in slow motion as I took in the sights of downtown Jacksonville. It seemed like everywhere I looked, I saw seas of opportunities. I read countless numbers of help-wanted signs posted on doors and windows and stapled on every other tall telegraph along the path I walked. I saw construction sites that seemed to beg for workers. I saw aluminum cans scattered like rice on the ground after a wedding. The more I walked and the more sights I took in, the more I saw gold dust all around me. I became excited. I had an epiphany. I did not have to go all the way to Los Angeles to free myself from the claws of crack cocaine. I could pull myself up from the bottom, right here in the city of Jacksonville. I found a Booker T. Washington speech that urged the Negroes of the era to cast down their buckets where they were and to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. I looked around me. And I saw gold dust everywhere. Yes, I could free myself where I stood, here in Jacksonville. My moment of clarity resulted from the fact I was no longer in Miami in the daily pursuit of crack cocaine. My system was clean. I was a stranger in a new environment, and I knew no one, especially anyone, who sold a smoked crack cocaine. 
I felt very positive as I opened the door to the office of vital statistics. The receptionist and attractive young woman told me a copy of my birth certificate would cost $10. She said I could receive it from anywhere in the United States. She gave me a form and told me how to fill it out. I took the form, folded it, and told her I'd be back with $10 before she got off from work. <laughs> she smiled like she had a second thought. Well, you better be back here before 4 or else come back in the morning with $10. $10, that's all I needed. $10 was a poetry song. I couldn't count the times. I had literally, in a matter of minutes, picked up that amount from the streets of Miami. But I was no longer there, and I only saw challenges ahead. However, soon as I left the building, I spotted an aluminum pop can on the ground. I stomped it flat, then scooped it up with a sly smile. I was going to do exactly like I did in Miami. I was going to get the $10 I needed to purchase a copy of my birth certificate. That certificate would be ground zero of a brand new me. I began to gather up all the aluminum cans I saw as I waited on the school bus and the line of people who waited grew longer too. When the bus arrived to drive the hungry away, I did not board the bus. I was hungry for something else. I watched as the driver pulled a handle that pulled a lever that closed the door of the bus. I stood like Santa Claus at Christmas time. I carried a big black plastic bag twisted by the neck across my shoulder. It was a trash liner from a 55-gallon drum. I took the bag down from my shoulder and dragged it around as I continued to gather aluminum <laughs> cans. The bag soon grew too heavy to carry across my shoulder like a jolly Santa Claus. I got another trash liner and continued, but dragging two bags presented issues which were all resolved when I saw exactly what I needed, a shopping cart. It had been abandoned near an entry to an alley. Immediately I viewed the site as a gift from the gods, and on a high frequency, blessed assurance, I would walk away with the $10 I sought. I tied one of the bags to the side of the shopping cart, and poured the contents of the other into the basket of the shopping cart. I pushed ahead with a new determination. When I picked up cans in Miami, I was motivated by an urgency for crack cocaine. But now my motivation was the key to freedom, a copy of my birth certificate. The acquisition of that document meant the acquisition of an ID card. And on a lower frequency within me, 
a new birth on a level playing field. As I picked up each can I saw, it started to seem as if in Jacksonville there were not many street people who picked up aluminum cans for money. And those people who did stepped over and left more cans on the ground than they bothered to pick up. And it was clear, none appeared to know how to dumpster dive. After repeated dives into dumpsters, I had no space for any more cans. The brim of the basket could not contain any more cans. I was literally forced to stop. I pushed past a plethora of aluminum cans scattered on the ground. My next thought was the location of the scrapyard where I could sell the cans. Then, like it was providence, I encountered a man pushing a shopping cart, gathering up cans as I had done. I stopped him. Excuse me, sir, but can you tell me how to get to the scrapyard? The man looked haggard and many years older than me. For a flash, I saw myself if I failed to free myself from my addiction to track crack cocaine. I saw barely enough cans to cover the bottom of the basket of the shopping cart he pushed. He lifted his eyebrows and stretched his eyes as he stared at the cans in the basket of my cart and the two big Bags tied to the side like saddlebags. Good golly, Miss Marvin. Boy, where in the world did you get all those cans? Well, I just picked them up off the ground one at a time, I smiled. When you got started? Yesterday? <laughs> well, let me see. I started right after I left Vital Statistics this morning. I said it was close to nine. Since nine o'clock this morning, the man cried in disbelief. It ain't even 12 o'clock yet. You got to be a stone-cold, can-picking fool when it comes to picking up cans. He told me that he had been picking up cans, too. He pointed to the paltry number of cans in the basket of his shopping cart. He just didn't see how I picked up all those cans since 9 o'clock this morning. He told me how to get to the scrapyard and the price they paid a pound. Still, he couldn't believe I picked up so many times in such a short span of time. I thanked him and grinned. Well, not all cans are found on the ground. Sometimes you must dig for them. I pushed in the direction he told me. It led to an industrial area dominated by huge warehouses. I located the recycling center. I stood and waited in a short line of three men. I had two 55-gallon drum trash bags bulging with cans tied to the side of the shopping cart like saddlebags, plus the basket of carts were filled to the brim. The attendant gave me a bag to clear out the basket. When I finished, I had three bags. The attendant placed them on a scale and called out the weight. Forty-four pounds. He wrote out a receipt. I took the receipt to the cashier's window. I signed the receipt 
and received $16.19 from a smiling cashier. I left the recycling center like a winner leaving a racetrack. I had done it. I had achieved my goal. I abandoned the shopping cart. I started straight back, but in a zigzag pattern to vital statistics. When I reached the park, it looked like a clogged drain of humanity. I still had many blocks of travel to reach the office building that housed vital statistics. The building height made it look closer than it was. I would have to run like the wind to reach the building before the office closed at four. I saw the futility of an attempt to beat the clock. I stopped and took a long, deep breath. I would let it go and do it in the morning. I decided to head over to the Sally for a shower and hot food to eat. I thought perhaps when I explained my day's experience in pursuit of my birth certificate to the clerk and presented a $10 bill as verification, I might get to sleep again on a cot for the night. When I reached the Sally, the doors hadn't opened, but a long line had formed. Luckily, I joined the line near the front with a clear view of the unopened doors and two staff workers posted like soldiers on the outer side. When I reached the doors and the line began to march slowly ahead, I thought of the shower in the moments of in the moments of relaxation under droplets of water. My mind was close to the swirl of noise behind me. That's when, that's why I was so easily startled when Sunbolo touched me on the shoulder. I jumped. He laughed. And thus we have reached the end of our episode. That's the end of our reading. But this one will be continued. And until then, until the continuation, so long everybody. Thanks for listening to this podcast, Escaping the Entanglement of Our Lives.